Welcome, ladies and gentlemen and viewers, to another episode of Disrupt Ed, where we talk to the disruptors, the passionate, purposeful, determined do-gooders out there, the people we love and adore that are doing the work that all of us need and will benefit from in terms of understanding this 5G-wired, globally interconnected, technology-enhanced world of work and learning. And let me tell you, viewers and listeners, today I have a special treat. Uh, over the past 20 years, I've known this guest uh, to be such such an impassioned do-gooder out there with an absolutely over-the-chart GSD index. Not only is Marlena Sessions, the current CEO of NoahWorks, a thought leader in the important world of workforce, but she gets it done. And so in her recent role, she's been at NovaWorks for the past 12 months and has literally, literally embraced a whole new series of initiatives that are changing the landscape of workforce support. Welcome to the show, Marlena Sessions, my dear friend, colleague, and do-gooder extraordinaire. Thanks for coming along Thank with you, us. Thank you, Ron. It's great to be with you and talk about some of my favorite topics. Well, one of my favorite topics uh, was one that I started reading about this past week when we had some of our earlier conversations. And it's interesting in the world of workforce because workforce agencies have moved the needle further uh, with WIOA, with the new workforce um, federal guidelines to really adapt the system to more current needs. At the same time, you would think that a whole person approach to workforce services would be just de -regur It would be standard operating procedure. But what as I understand about Marlena is you encountered a system that had not only embraced it, wasn't really thinking about it. Is that a fair that statement? That is. And, you know, the concept, everyone can think of something when they hear whole person. You, you get an image in your mind and, and you're right. It's simple, right? It's simple. Let's look at the whole person, especially when it comes to workforce development, helping people get trained, retrained back to work, which is what um, is in my DNA, which is what I do for a living. But I think sometimes it, uh, as workforce development professionals, we've gotten ourselves into a mindset of what we can't do because of guidelines, restrictions, funding restrictions, et cetera. So this opportunity to bring the whole person pilot and learn some lessons uh, in the Nova region, which by the way, we are uh, Silicon Valley and all of San Mateo County. So my region of workforce development goes all the way up to South San Francisco and the San Francisco airport, but also covers the seven, I call it the seven smaller Silicon Valley cities, the home of Google, Amazon, Meta, Twitter, et cetera. So right. it's an interesting mix of, of needs as far as workforce development, but we said, We've been used to seeing the tech churn. We've been used to seeing a certain clientele that's pretty highly educated, but still needs our help. Let's see what we can do for those who are historically excluded. And that's what, um, thanks to the grace of some ARPA money from San Mateo County and now Santa Clara County, that's what we're trying. Well, it's interesting. I think that uh, Nova Works benefits from you being a veteran warrior of workforce in that you uh, had a lot of experience where we first met was in the Seattle workforce and we um, divined a, uh, an adult online high school program for participants there that was quite successful. And you've moved on. You've been on the private side of workforce 
uh, development, and now you're back at a workforce board. Um, what I find interesting about the whole person pilot as envisioned by Marlena is you did it in your typical fashion. You went big. So you secured a $400,000 investment to pilot workforce support services around 25 people in low-income regions, the people that you and I most love to see progress with, those who are underserved, those who are underrepresented, often underskilled, and very oftentimes serially underemployed. So they may move from job to job, but they're not moving ahead. And the ultimate goal, obviously, is to move those folks, most particularly, into life-sustaining, economically viable jobs that are dignity producing and family supporting. And so tell us a little bit. So you have this big investment of dollars and then you go into some of the toughest neighborhoods where people, well, as you described in your uh, your report and some of your summary findings, these were people that didn't even know about outreach services available to them. So they're very isolated and underrepresented. That is correct. correct. You know, the term we started to use recently was historically excluded. And again, that's a term that kind of is evocative. It, it lets you know that people were left behind for some reason or another. Now, to all the things you said about the great investment. And I can't take credit for, for garnering the, those funds, thanks to the grace of our team here at Nova Works and certainly uh, San Mateo County leadership. There was a lot of thought that went into this before the investment was made. So before my, my short tenure, but I, I would have to say that um, people who haven't been uh, included, I'll say in the uh, great programming, the great things is usually because as you just said, they don't know about it. They don't have that social capital. They don't have those mentors or that network, which again, back to our uh, Silicon Valley tech worker, the tech workers might have that, or at least have heard about Nova and be able to come to Nova Works to get services. So we tried some new things and we experimented. I think the first biggest lesson we, we all learned was don't make any assumptions about people. We think because we've done this a while, we think, okay, well, they're gonna need some work supports as we call them or support services. Maybe we should budget for childcare and help them with childcare. But right. we, we said, okay, step back, let's assess people exactly where they are, meet them where they are, both you know, geographically and figuratively, if you will. Um, and and don't, don't assume, don't make, a, 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 make an, a, a good assessment, a deep assessment. And I'd say the other, quick lesson we learned was when you tell someone, you know, what do you need when you ask them that question, when they, they can start to build trust and, and realize that these professionals really have something to offer. Um, they, they need time. They need time to figure that out. And that's been helpful too, to say, this isn't a program that has a, a really short timeline and you need to get in and out of it in six months, et cetera, which again, I think in some of our workforce development work we sometimes feel constrained by time or resources and so we had a luxury here for sure no and it's also interesting because many people would think about nova works and where you're planted as a place where the underserved didn't really reside and i it's a credit to you marlena that you you know reached out and dug in and leaned in to find these folks and to say we want to provide a level of service that you haven't seen before and whether or not it's daycare or transportation or housing assistance. And I think, uh, you know, as your report suggests, the outcomes were fascinating, not only for what 
you assumed would work and and did work, but also from some of the things you thought about at the outset that you thought were going to be necessary that turned out not to be as that's, necessary. That's correct. Right? So maybe you want to elaborate on some of that. I, I found that part of it is, is, is yeah, you hit it right well. on the head. For example, I, I mentioned that you know the childcare need, which again, and in, in historically right. we've always thought that was a big need. Well, just in this particular case with this particular pilot, we saw an older, more mature. Uh, worker, former worker who wanted, uh, who said, I don't need childcare, but boy, if I don't make uh, last month's rent and next month's rent, I'm going to be homeless or I am homeless and I need shelter. Um, some pretty dire situations. So again, it's really finding out and building that trust, becoming a mentor in addition to a career advisor. And I'd also, I appreciate you mentioning about the, I'll call it pockets of, of, places where, where there were vast needs. Um, we really reached out to seven of our local libraries. And it was interesting because we went out into the libraries. The libraries welcomed us. They, they wanted career advising on site. We brought that. Right. But, you know, my team of professionals here, they are amazing. They are, you know, master's level career advisors. They really know their, their uh, stuff. And after about three weeks of, of being in the libraries, they said, you know, not sure this is really working and i said stay the course stay there we need to have start to build a presence again in these neighborhoods in these little communities where we um found ourselves and you know before you know it um people were saying oh i don't need help but my next door neighbor i'm going to run home and get them or uh, multi-generational households i don't need the help but or i can't work i'm i'm uh elderly but my daughter or son or granddaughter or grandson could sure use this service. So it's really amazing when you do get out into the community, actually physically there with our, our team of very dynamic, um, they, they're great at outreach. They're super friendly and approachable. They, they're multilingual, which is right. very important to a point, probably the most important point, they're multilingual. And they, um, people started, it was almost like if you, if you, not if you build it, they will come, but if you just are there and present and consistent, uh, folks found us. So it's been great. Well, I also think it's interesting. I saw someone uh, reference in your report that you're also trying to dispel some of the phrases that that you don't want to have associated with workforce. And one of them is oh, best kept secret. Take that phrase. You know, that's just, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so talk to me about that. I mean, obviously, this pilot program was designed for very specific needs of a small cohort of people. But at the same time, your team learned a lot about client-centered workforce development in a way that brought out the fact that um, you're not a well-kept secret, that you could socialize some of these outcomes and not be a secret at all, but be a well-known community treasure to help people uh, that require these very highly specified uh, services. Is that Absolutely, a and I do. I, I sort of half only half jokingly talk to my team a lot we do not i the the phrase well-kept secret makes my hair stand on end we don't want to not want to be and i have to say and give a plug for 550 workforce boards across the country um they are a, a best kept secret a well-kept secret they should not be i think one of our issues is we've all got different names and branding there is not another nova works around but there are 45 wonderful workforce boards in the state of California in the Golden State, uh, where I now am happily residing. So um, just even getting the name out there and the association with the name, and, and frankly, we had been associated with 
oh, that's right, you're great for those tech workers. You really help get them replaced in, in new jobs, but we're really a lot more than that. We're really able to help anyone in any field and industry that's local here and in, in the Silicon Valley and San Mateo County region. So, you know, that, that um, staying the course, making sure we're networking. And the other uh, word I'd bring up that was really part of the pilot that made it such a success, it's another P word, partnership. Again, the libraries, um, some other training organizations that we were able to refer people to, the community and technical colleges, the adult schools. We really learned again, I think it was just a re-emphasis how valued those partnerships are that we, we at NOVA can't do this alone. We have to know exactly, again, back to in the neighborhood, where can we refer this person so they don't have to travel, they don't have to get tr special transportation. Is it a food bank or a food pantry? Is it a community center? Is it a housing entity, et cetera? So we've really upped our game when it came to the list of partners and partnerships who now know us throughout this region and, and are thinking about us. And so we can refer back and forth. And you know, I always call it that, you hear the words warm referral, making sure that somebody gets referred and they really get what they need and, and you can bring them back. Sort of that navigator role became important. Right. Yeah. Well, it's also a function of these partnerships, as I've come to understand them, because I've been participating in building them with you over the years. Um, a lot of times it requires a light of a large personality and someone who's an enthusiast and an evangelist, if you will. And I think, Marlene, as I've known you, as I said, for over 20 years now, you represent that kind of leader that just attracts other people, given your charisma and your natural enthusiasm. I want to take our listening, viewing audience into your life a little bit, because you've been at this a while. Maybe you could share with them how you came into workforce development in the first place and how you got started doing this and carried the ball forward and, 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 and found ways to energize. Because what I find is very true of something you said a moment ago. There are 550 workforce agencies out there who are a well-kept secret. And part of that is because as workforce professionals, we often see people who don't do enough to raise the specter and the vision of what they're doing. So maybe you could talk a little bit about your background and what informed a lot of that enthusiasm that comes naturally, but also by way of your own profession. Well, thank you for saying those kind things. You know, it really is, you, you use the word energize and energy. There is a certain energy that one gets from knowing you're helping someone get that dignity of, jo of a job and, and that self-sufficiency, family self-sufficiency, as you mentioned. There's just, I don't think there's any anything in the world that's quite like that feeling. Um, I was 23 years old and found myself as a caseworker, case manager, career counselor, sitting across the table uh, from what we used to call high school dropouts. We now call them opportunity youth, but you know, a disenfranchised young person who, as I was pretty much their same age uh, and listening to them talk, I would say to myself, you know, they're smarter than I am. If it wasn't for the uh, circumstance they're in or that I find myself in, we could, we could easily trade places. And all my right. preconceived notions about, oh, you know, if they dropped out of school, it must be because they're not smart or they've done something wrong. And, you know, many, many times it was due to some family challenges, perhaps some learning disabilities or some health issues. So I learned very at a very young uh, age about workforce development and what an impact it can make and what an impact um, happenstance can be in one's life. That, that, again, if you have someone who can help you see something different, see that there's a possibility, um, see that there's hope with a job, that 
uh, it can make all the difference. So I always, again, later in my career, as I sort of moved up the ranks in various ways um, in work in the field of workforce development, always, always, I always said to my staff who I've always been blessed working with really smart and great, competent staff, hardworking, who, who share my passion. But I always said, have you sat across the table from someone who's unemployed? Have you had that you know, experience? Because experience. if you haven't, you need to go have that as part of our, our work. You can be a, a great policy wonk, a policy expert, very well educated, have master's level in public policy and, and be in the field for, of course, all the right reasons. But unless you've really sat there and grieved with someone who's been dislocated after 20 years in a field or in a job and then taken them through the steps of their own process, um, it's hard It's hard to really get that feeling and that knowledge. So now that I'm at NOVA, so that was, you know, a 20 some year career in, in Spokane, Washington and Seattle, Washington. And now that I'm at NOVA, I right. just see it with, with my team here. They just love our job seeking customers and they love what they do so much. And you, you kind of have to because uh, there's some tough there's some tough stories that you end up hearing. Well, when you talk about um, the kind of uh, people that you are working with that were gated in their opportunities because they lack the basics of a high school diploma, one of the things you were, you know, you're referencing is that we have some major misconceptions yes. about the unemployed and the undereducated. Yes. We assume, for example, that being a high school dropout means that you were either uh, a pregnant teen or a drug dealer or, or a gang member, and that those are the things that prevented you from pursuing a high school uh, diploma or credential. And the research has very much dispelled that myth because what we found, and you and I found this out together as we were exploring the outcomes around um, a high school completion program, these are people that uh, the hard side of life happened to. So they're people that were either forced to provide care to an aging or sick uh, family member. They were people who uh, had their own life circumstances or health issues that prevented them from going to school or completing school. And it did create a gating factor that they didn't have the credential, but it wasn't uh, from the standpoint that they were somehow responsible or somehow less than. Uh, I love what you said about them, that in your time as a uh, career counselor, you found many of them were really super bright. And that's what we find, you know, working with uh, the Smart Horizons folks uh, and their high school program, what we find again and again with Howard's great work uh, across the aisle there is that these are folks that are really smart. And once they obtain that credential, it sparks something new. And I think that's the miracle of the work that you do is that by getting someone on a level playing field where they have a high school credential, where they have meaningful work, uh, not just serial underemployment when they're moving from one low wage job to another, that's the spark of enthusiasm that helps people to see, wow, I'm capable of more. Absolutely. And I think, you know, and I think that's what you do such a great job of unleashing is this hope that there's something more out there. And I think the whole, going back to the whole person pilot, I think I, I'm just so enthralled with this idea that you've uncovered, you know, many, many more micro points of intersection with uh, folks that are in need of these services to kind of really, really become a much more agile organization, defining what someone may need against what we thought they might need. 
you know, the daycare is one of them. Transportation is another one. And we find that across the spectrum. It varies by city by city, region by region. In my own hometown of Detroit, Michigan, we built the world of mobility. And yet we're one of the least mobile communities out there. Many of the people in our community can't afford the automobile that brought mobility to the rest of the world. And we don't have a great public transportation response to that. So maybe you can speak to how transportation services uh, factored into people getting to you and then onward getting to a job and then sustaining that job because you were able to identify some of those transportation issues and, and bring some resolution. Yes, your Detroit example is the ultimate irony, uh, I'm sure. And we share we share those transportation challenges maybe at somewhat of a different level. I think one of the aspects that we, again, learned, relearned over and over was people can't afford to live in many parts of the region that I now reside. And they do end right. up commuting very, very long distances. And this kind of got us into a, a nice dialogue with the employer side um, of the equation that, that, that was seeking the talent. And really that recognition on their part that perhaps they needed to help with some subsidies for transportation long-term. Because while the whole person pilot right. was fabulous for these 25 individuals, we're now tr trying to take it to scale. And again, utilizing all those lessons learned and one of them being um, people need to commute great distances in order to work in this region and they may commute um, outbound very long distances and they're away from their families that much longer, their quality of life suffers. So we're getting very creative with employers. Some of our hoteliers in the hospitality industry are even considering um, giving free housing to whole families. If they've got an employee of a family member who's a great employee, they might just um, offer them a residence, frankly, to, to give that level of stability there. They'll be on site, et cetera. So there's some pretty creative and extreme things that are needing to happen. This is not, we have not solved any of these issues by, by far, by a long shot. I'd say the housing piece really has come up um, in a big way, I think across our, our great country, but um, it's uh, homelessness is alive, unfortunately alive and well in this region as well. So again, finding out if a person is just about to become homeless, if we can keep them from that edge of that cliff and or if they are to find them housing. And then again, the, the luxury of saturating people, as I said, with these services was we could pay their first or second or third month's rent just while they got stabilized to get to a to get to a job and get some paychecks coming in. And sometimes, you know, those are those are big chunks of funds, relatively speaking. Um, Sometimes it's as simple as they need a case of diapers if they're going to show up for work tomorrow for their little one. So, you know, there are there's a lot lot in between those two extremes of getting someone housing and getting someone just some basic needs met at the grocery store. But it's all very important. And I think, again, it's it's back to that simple phrase, whole person. Right. Well, and the, the results you've achieved and your team have achieved are nothing short of spectacular. I have the report in front of me and I just want to share to our listening and viewing audience. This is Disrupt Ed with your host, Ron Stefanski. And we've been enjoying a very electrifying conversation with one of my favorite workforce warriors, Marlena Sessions, who's currently the CEO of NovaWorks. And as she uh, pursued this pilot, the whole person pilot with her entire team. Some of the outcomes I'm going to share with you, just spectacular. Um, we have a person here, 62 years old, who is currently working, but through the job search assistance and a little food and gas support, was able to get a six hour or $6 an hour raise. Uh, another person left 
their job as a, a COVID test supervisor simply to care for family. Nova Works got them some job search assistance, again, some food and gas support. Now they're working as a teacher at $28 an hour. I mean, these are really important because what we're talking about here in the work that Marlena has invested her entire career in so spectacularly is moving people from serial underemployment and undereducated into jobs that allow them to participate in an, ex in an inclusive economic development renaissance in her region. So we're not talking about um, sort of pie in the sky objectives that can't be met. We're talking about real meaningful successes. I'm going to go through this a little bit. We have someone who was laid, laid off when a family cleaning business was closed. Uh, Nova provided educational advice and assistance. And so now they're attending the College of San Mateo and working as a teaching assistant while they're doing it for 25 bucks an hour. I mean, that's a material difference from where this person was. Uh, another person was laid off as an office manager, received the same whole person pilot of support and assistance and, and achieved a $4 an hour raise. And, um, and now we have another person who's attending community college. I mean, you go through the list of this cohort and Marlena, I mean, we're not worthy. Your team has just rocked it here. When you look at these individual outcomes, and then maybe you can speak to the fact that you've always looked at this as sort of the baseline of what you do, because there is a return on investment for those that think someone like Marlena is simply a do-gooder. Let me clarify. She's a very, Marlena, you are a very savvy business executive. You are very smart with managing money and funds to do this. And you've always looked at workforce development as an investment uh, fund opportunity and managing a portfolio rather than a social impact uh, as a primary focus. And so you've set up these 25 people who are now going to be more actively participating in the local economy, right? And maybe you can speak to how you you take people to a certain point so that they in turn can stand on the shoulders of others and others can stand on there. Absolutely, Ron. And, and you know, the your economic development point there is so well taken. We've done studies over the years in my field about one for every taxpayer dollar as we're economic stewards of um, how, how what's the give back when, when into the economy when someone does get fully and gainfully employed. And it's easily two to one, if not in many cases, three, four, five to one, depending on the person and the field, et cetera. So a person who's unemployed who goes back to work is quickly injecting those resources back into the economy. So it really it really lifts communities up. There's just no question about that. And I think the other thing I'd say about this pilot, um, because I never used to be a fan of pilots, because I would say, yes, but then what? Then what? And I think the nice the nice, right. the nice thing right. here is you've talked about some of the examples of the 25 and we're going to continue. This is a forever follow along situation. They're going to continue to get services if they happen to not be retained in their position. They can always come back to us. And the other great thing about Nova Works is we never say no to customers. We always look for reasons to say yes. So there, there's going to be some long term longevity sort of things here. We can probably learn over time with these folks, of course. You know, the impetus and the um, silver lining to the big, very, very dark cloud was this money became because of that horrible pandemic. But um, now that we're hopefully emerging from it, we can see that some of these resources that have been invested will have lifelong impact for sure. Wow. I mean, it's really an incredible return on investment. So 
For my listening, viewing audience, this has been another episode of Disrupt Ed, where we talk to the do-gooders and the determined. And you've listened to a very determined workforce warrior and executive, Marlena Session, um, this afternoon. And Marlena, before we close this out, uh, any closing thoughts that you'd like to share with our audience about the work? Just that the dignity of employment does, one by one, it lifts entire communities. There's no question. That's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for being with us. I'm pleased to report that we're going to be seeing a little bit more of Marlena. As we move into a next episode, we're going to be talking about her work in the very vital area of skills-based learning and another key uh, part of the plan to revitalize the service offerings of NovaWorks. So stay tuned. You're going to hear more from this dynamic exciting individual who's really, really one of the do-gooders on this planet. And so be sure and watch us in subsequent episodes where you can see Marlena on this station, Disrupted. Thanks so much, and we'll see you in our next episode.